0: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano.
1: For the last several decades, whenever I get to turn on something electronic, be it a television set, a radio, or a computer and hear the voice of Richard Bay do anything, it is a real pleasure. It doesn't matter what Richard Bay is doing. He could uh, be—he could be— he could be emceeing a fight. He could be doing phone sex. <laughs> Maybe not oh, that. Oh, Frank. But he could be emceeing a fight between uh, two divorcees. He could be giving commentary about international affairs. He could be uh, commenting about books, or he could be impersonating uh, a right-wing talk show host as a caricature. Whatever Richard Bay does, I am and always have been a fan of. And uh, even if it means getting Richard in studio at, at in the dead of night, I will do whatever it takes to hear Richard's wit and wisdom, and
2: that's why I've brought the yellow pages tonight because I'm going to read the phone book. You know what they always say, you know? I'd listen to that guy read the phone book. I would
1: listen to you read All a phone Right? Book.
2: They don't a- make phone books anymore. Triple that's the A. That's the problem. <laughs> Auto dealership. Uh, so
1: I'm very pleased to be joined for the hour by a veteran TV and radio talk show host who is now hosting the Richard Bay Talk podcast, which is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. The one and only Richard Bay, who remarked to me that when he was on uh, WABC in New York, he was obviously the audience then and now was very right-leaning, and Richard was the opposite of right-leaning. <laughs> you actually really enjoy mixing it up with Collins, oh, right?
2: really. The board op used to say, Richard, the board is completely lit up, and you just sat down, and every person disagrees with you. And I said, that's just the way I like it. Bring them on. I, but I, let me just tell you this. This was so wonderful. When I had a listed number, so the day that I was fired from W.I.B.C., I came home, the phone rang. Somebody, you don't know me, but I listen to you, and I'm a conservative, but you know what? You know, you always came up with facts, and you I always knew why you were saying the things that you said and what you were thinking about it, rather than just calling somebody. And the phone lit up for almost two hours. I have a stack of emails, and... the. And they all start off, or most of them start off. I
1: never agree with you, but. Right, right. I
2: never agree with you, but. Or I'm a conservative, but. <laughs> I enjoyed Dick and Dad Go to the Movies. <laughs> I enjoyed the parody song. You well, know, so.
1: I, I to me, when I make a decision about who to listen to on radio... The last thing that I would ever consider is their political ideology. I mean, yeah. that is – I would never go out of my way to listen to someone that I agreed with or disagreed with. I want to hear someone that is doing an informative show, an entertaining radio show. I don't care what the politics of that well, person I is. Well, I always listened to Rush Limbaugh.
2: Right. I mean, he was an, he was an
1: entertainer. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. I mean, and you compare someone like Rush – to someone, uh, you know, I know he's got fans out there, I don't want to disparage any of them, but someone like Hannity, yeah. who uh, really, he doesn't do a radio show. He basically <laughs> repeats r- right-wing talking points It's Rip day. and read. Yeah, In that's fact, for sure. I haven't heard him lately, but it used to sound like
2: he was just reading. He was a worst... Worse prompter reader reader than
1: Al Sharpton, and that's (laughs) he's about the worst. Well, that's another good example. Is (laughs) Al Sharpton not somebody that's actually a great communicator in terms of hosting a show? As great as he might be as a guest on the show, oh, goes to show you. Oh, when
2: he debates people, he's he's brilliant. And I used to have Sharpton on my TV show all the time, and we'd go back and forth and back and forth, and it was it was always a delight to have him on, even when the the Tawana Brawley thing. Was, was was total bs yeah
1: and uh, so people know your perspective and i want to talk about some things other than politics as well but just so people know your perspective you you're not uh, as somebody that i would consider uh a uh knee-jerk liberal democrat i mean you've talked about voting for bob dole ross perot rick lazio that was in ralph the past. nader it's changed the so Repu- it's changed so the, what what changed the republican
2: party changed that's what changed You know, I I guess I could still, you know, if I could find, I could, I. A friend of mine was saying, you know, if Liz Cheney ran for president, I'd vote for her. I don't know if I would because she's still a neocon, right? You know, and um, and that and that is a problem. But I admire Kinsinger, and I admire some of the other people who have stood up and said yes. I mean, people are saying, what's the most important issue? Is it immigration? Is it inflation? Is it the price of gasoline? Is it abortion? The, listen, there's, there's the big issue for me, and it's really just the only issue. The preservation of American democracy. And uh, I've lived through, I, listen, I, when I, I've, I've been alive for 18% uh, uh, interest rates. Uh ten percent under Reagan, inflation was uh, was over ten percent um, in in, in the first year. Right. Yeah, um, I've lived through the gasoline lines. Uh, people may not be old enough listening, but probably a lot of them are. When you used to have even or odd mm-hmm. license plate numbers to get a gallon of
1: gasoline, right. Governor Christie brought that back ten years ago in the <laughs> aftermath of Sandy as well, well. So,
2: so we're all you know. I survived all of the uh, all of those things. But if we lose American democracy, we're not going to get it back.
1: You know, it's so interesting to me when I talk to people about what they think the problems are, people that are really passionate and very intelligent people, so often they think the problem are – the folks at the polar end of the political spectrum. Conservatives, for instance, when I talk to them, if you, if you mention the three letters AOC, they will immediately right. start foaming at the mouth. And I, I posed an interesting question, I thought, on Facebook the other day, and I'd be curious about your answer to this. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for everything that's good about her, for everything that's not so great about her, if you were to pick the right-wing AOC, the conservative counterpart to AOC, who would you pick? Who do you think it is for her strengths and her weaknesses?
2: I there is no one because she is she's certainly f- very far to the left, but there is no comparison between her and Marjorie Taylor Greene or uh, Lauren uh, Boebert. Boebert. Right. I always say those
1: were two of the people that uh, that uh, that folks suggested. Uh, so I think Matt Gaetz has even claimed to be the right wing yeah. AOC at times, but you don't buy that. Well, uh, uh, no, no, but or the guy in Texas, well, Louis Gomer. Uh, Louis Gomer, you
2: know, or the but guy in Arizona. Has, I don't what? know
1: that he has the social media savvy of an AOC. No, no, no you're right, but but there are these people.
2: Like, who's the guy in Arizona? That's the uh, you know the uh, the representative. That we looks like he has Parkinson's every time he comes out. I don't want to make fun of him, but you don't know who that is. I, 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 His own family turned against him, and they made ads against him. I can't remember his yeah, name you right know, now. I, I'll be honest. I, listen, there are – AOC is not crazy. Mm-hmm. There are crazy – speaking of which, Herschel Walker, who has been diagnosed and, and stated it himself, that he has been diagnosed with something called um, uh, disassociative personality disorder, which is what Sybil had. You know, He has more than one personality So maybe when he says, oh, yeah, I didn't pay for that abortion, that was my other personality that paid for Mm -hmm. the abortion. I mean, how could you put a
1: candidate up who openly admits that they're mentally ill? Well, I think that uh, a lot of the the report that Mitch McConnell's folks did on Herschel Walker – that was one of the things that they warned about, uh, you know, when there was reports of him holding a gun to his wife's head yeah. in one of these mental in the States. So I think that there was good reason that people had some caution about about Herschel Walker. Now, um, if you want to talk to Richard Bay, by the way, you want to take issue with anything that he's saying, oh, you're welcome sure. to give us call a call up and yell at 800- me. <laughs> well, you, or, or civilly disagree. <laughs> either one. 800 That's 800 You mentioned the issue of uh, Liz Cheney being a neocon. And this is one area where. If you were opposed to things like the Iraq War and intervention in Middle Eastern wars in general back in 2002, 2003, that was enough to get you fired from not only radio stations, but from cable news networks. Phil Donahue was too left-wing right. for MSNBC sure. because he was opposed to the Iraq War. Uh, that was Colonel ar- David Hackworth. Right. Around the same time he that... He was
2: persona non grata because he called Donald Rumsfeld a crazy man.
1: Yeah, this was around the same time that MSNBC was hiring folks like uh, like Michael Savage and getting rid of Phil Donahue, uh, these days the a lot of the I neocons know, know. seem to be on the same page as
2: Ukraine. Well, this as, is, this as is.
1: Biden and the Biden administration and mainstream Democrats on the issue of Ukraine. Now, uh, you were very vocally opposed to the Iraq War, and I'm
2: very vocally supportive. ...of aiding Ukraine, fight for its survival. So
1: in the case of Iraq, you had said publicly on the radio that uh, Saddam Hussein, there's not enough evidence that he has weapons of mass destruction. In fact, none of the evidence was any good. You've said that uh, he uh, has not attacked the United States, and this would be a dramatic escalation of where we are. Now... The United uh, – he had attacked his neighbor, Kuwait, had invaded a neighboring country. And we
2: threw him out. And right. I was supportive of that.
1: Right. So um, the United States, as it stands now, has committed an additional $625 million to Ukraine, bringing the total aid provided right, billions. close to $17 billion so yeah, far. That is – uh, for a country that's not a NATO ally, that's an amount of funding that's comparable to what we spent in the Vietnam War. How does it make you feel as a guy that opposed all these neocons, one of the few voices um, to uh, oppose what all, the rush to war back in 2002 and 2003, to be on the same page as all those neocons today?
2: Well, the Iraq War was based on BS, and it was based on a, um, a political philosophy. The idea of inv- the only idea that made sense about uh, invading Iraq and replacing Sodom was this neocon fantasy that we 're going to play uh, that we 're going to create a Disneyland on the Euphrates. This is a major country um, that 's in the center of the Middle East, and if we can install a democracy there. It will spread throughout the... It'll be like a Johnny Appleseed of democracy. It'll spread everywhere because this is a, an important country and it's a strategic location. And uh, we can do this and it'll be fairly easy. Of course, it was, you know, none of those mm-hmm. things. And uh, there was no spread of democracy uh, after that. And that was the fatal flaw there. It was sort of the same thing we had a fatal flaw in Vietnam. We thought we could go in there and... Uh, and, and create a democratic state. The difference is Ukraine is a democratic state under attack by an autocratic state.
1: Well, it's a democratic state that bans opposition
2: parties and suspends media outlets. That's not a d- democratic state. Right, and so, also. But, but Ukraine is doing those imprisons, things. Imprisons. Well, what. No, they're not really.
1: They, they have absolutely suspended opposition political parties. Oh, and suspe- now? You mean yeah, now? Yeah. Oh, the yeah. They're in war. Well, so they're it's okay in war time. Su- suspend Suspended democracy they, as long as it's wartime. They had, well,
2: um, Lincoln did some of those things as well. Well, there's a lot
1: of people that take issue with uh, the, when, some of the things Lincoln did. I know. But when, but when you're tank. fighting
2: for your survival, Ukraine was a democracy when... Until
1: uh, the war started.
2: When Putin went on the attack. That's okay. right.
1: Now, um, the difference in aiding a country and being squarely on the side of the Ukrainians, which was formerly a democracy, in, in a war with a country like Russia, is that Russia has the second largest stockpile of nuclear it's, weapons no, in the world.
2: No, that's incorrect.
1: Right. It's not. They don't have the second largest they stockpile. They have the largest. The largest stockpile. Okay. <laughs> so um, It's larger than it, the
2: United States. So,
1: now, how, what is, if you were in charge of u.s foreign policy at this point and i think we all begin from the place left wing right wing in between of not wanting nuclear war nobody wins there what would be the richard bay plan for avoiding nuclear catastrophe given everything that's happened so far what would you do
2: i would do just what we're doing i would i would back up ukraine i would help them to fight for their territory, I think Crimea is is gone, you know. Russia will maintain, you know. Uh, people say there is no um, a, a diplomatic uh, solution or that, you know, that anybody is pursuing. But the Ukrainians did meet with a Russian delegation uh, right before the war and in the beginnings of the war. They were in Turkey. At one point, they were in Belarus. They created a plan, and they said, we'll take 15 years— uh, to discuss what happens with Ukraine, but in no sense will military force be used. Um, I forget all the other details, but they did, you know, r- according to the guy that, le- uh, that led the Ukrainian delegation, Russia just kept saying you have to completely demilitarize and you have to get rid of the Nazis in, in your government. And he said, "I don't even know what they're talking about with the Nazis in our government."
1: Well, I mean, the Azov Battalion is yeah, a little a, Nazi-ish, right? Yeah, yeah. But
2: that's a battalion; it's not in the government. It's soldiers. We have we have Nazis in our military.
1: The, well, I, I don't we know. We do. That, I don't know that we have oh, no, a level I of know. coordination with the the Pentagon and Joe Biden with Nazis in our own military the way that Zelensky has with the Azov Battalion.
2: They're there. First of all, the Azov Battalion, it's, it's over. It's gone. They were, you know, it was destroyed right. uh, or or captured. Actually, they were just released by Russia uh, in a prisoner exchange.
1: Uh, my last question on Ukraine, and then if people want to talk to Richard, I, Gray, I don't want they to can. talk about no, Ukraine. I. four eight nine talk about Biden
2: and uh, and uh, well, but ultimately, ultimately
1: avoiding nuclear war is a lot more important than one political right. race or another. So what are we going to do? But, but let me l- well, ask, well, let me ask yes. you this. Sure. So if that's your philosophy, and everything has to do
2: with oh, let's avoid nuclear war. Um, should we just start negotiations with China uh, to turn over – to have Taiwan become a part of China as they did in Hong Kong? Is that part of your well, we political are, philosophy I, I, as I well? Maybe.
1: Maybe. Uh, right. Maybe. Uh, well, I don't, I, I, you know, there's one very important lesson that we've learned since the 40s, which is that if you're a country, whether it's North Korea, whether it's Russia or any other country – if you have nuclear weapons, the United States doesn't mess with you. Um, you see what North happens. North Korea, right? Exactly. You, I, but, but you see the... what happens with a country like Ukraine, which gave up their nuclear weapons. They get chewed to death. So, I mean, that uh, that
2: I and think... on the other hand, there was a six-nation plan in place uh, that would keep Iran from having nuclear uh, um, weapons for at least ten years. And uh, Trump just threw it out the window, right? Well, uh, I don't so, think that was right either.
1: All right. Um, oh. So let me just ask. Uh, oh, let you my, don't. Of no. course not. No. <laughs> last question on Ukraine. One of the other things that Trump did, which I thought was just terrible, was participating in the assassination of a foreign official, General Soleimani, with the in the Iranians, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Now, the New York Times says that the United States intelligence agencies believe Determined that the Ukraine them, yeah. government, which the U.S. is massively funding, more than we funded almost any government in the last they 50 years. They were involved
2: years. in blowing up the right. daughter of...
1: Armed, trained, and conducted joint military operations we're doing with them. They committed, the Ukrainians, a major assassination attack deep inside Russia. And we
2: had nothing to do with right, it, though, the United states Right, but you'll repudiate
1: that kind of conduct by the Ukrainians, I, right? Or I, is that another I don't think it's we helpful, give them a but I, because it's a war. Well,
2: I I don't think after the atrocities that we've seen uh discovered across U- in Ukraine and in the recovered villages that they've gone into, um it's not like I'm gonna I, I don't think it's helpful, but I'm if I had any tears for this Poor young woman. They weren't trying to assassinate her. They were trying to get her father. Understood, right. But I don't think it was a helpful thing to do.
1: All right. No. Um, the other controversial issue that a lot of people are very fired up about, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing you differ from some of the callers on this front, is how to handle the migrant situation. A lot of folks, uh, particularly right of center, they look at Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, sending these migrants to blue cities like D.C., Chicago, New York, Martha's Vineyard, and they clap. They say, you see, this is what happens when you vote the way that you do. Explain to folks why, what they're doing, meaning the governors, well, DeSantis DeSantis and Abbott.
2: Well, what DeSantis was illegal.
1: Well, ex- well, let's start with Abbott, right? Why is that a flawed philosophy, shipping these migrants to places like Chicago, New York, Philadelphia?
2: Um it's a stunt it doesn't solve the immigration problem what we need is a congress that can work where democrats and republicans by the way you know, you heard that DACA was uh, was just uh, found uh, was thrown out I by did, the yes. supreme court today okay but what we do need is a congress that that works together to create a real um a, a, a real stability mm. uh, to immigration to america and we, we had that uh, with George Bush, actually, and we had bipartisan support in Congress. And what happened was Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh got on the radio and said, folks, we've got to stop this. They're, we're going to be flooded here. We could have had a plan, um, what is it, 20 years ago, not 20, but 15 years ago with George right. Bush.
1: Uh, two, uh, we have to ago.
2: have some kind of stable Structure Now, what people don't understand is that we turn back 100,000 people um, every uh, – what is it, 10,000? Uh, yeah, 100,000 people every month. Since Joe Biden has been president, we have turned back 2 million people across the border. Now, when somebody comes and asks for asylum, uh, I mean, it, you know, when they have a – if they're coming from Venezuela or Cuba – and that's another thing with DeSantis is that they don't want to say, oh, uh, we can't take the Cubans. Why? Because the Cubans vote Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Venezuelans and the Nicaraguans who are also fleeing oppressive communist regimes, those people we can use as pawns and um, illegally send them uh, you know, from Texas using Florida taxpayer uh, money. Actually, they used the... Uh, the um, the uh, COVID relief pl- plan money that they got. They used, oh, how slick. They used the interest on that money so that they didn't actually use the money. Can't say there. they're not creative, yeah, right? I mean, and, yeah, and then he spent a uh, million oh, and a half dollars that, that, that could have been better put towards the, wait, there's two, what I read is there's 250,000 people homeless now uh, after uh, Hurricane Ian, on the west coast of Florida. Uh, Why don't we send those people to Mar-a-Lago? There's a lot of rooms there. And, uh, you know, they're saying they sent these people to Martha's Vineyard um, because Obama has a house there. This was out of season. And not only that, the people of Martha's Vineyard... Opened up their hearts and support and comfort and compassion to these people when they got there, and they were lied to to get on the plane.
1: But you you would agree, maybe the red states and the blue states. Obviously, this is a stunt, but the red states and the blue states should share the the burden of this a little more. I would agree with that. Uh, Last question before we go to break. You spent a lot of time broadcasting in Philadelphia. Some people believe the best indication of an of a forthcoming recession is an inverted yield curve, but historians are saying the best indication of a forthcoming economic crisis (laughs) is the Philadelphia Phillies winning the World Series. (laughs) So over the past 100 years, listen to this, the surest sign of an economic downturn has been a Philly-based baseball team winning the World Series. It happened in 1929, 1930, 1980, and 2008. Well, on Monday, the Phillies clinched a playoff spot, and uh, I'm wondering if people are concerned about their 401K. Should everybody be rooting against the Phillies? I right know,
2: now. it's like Puxatani Phil. You exactly. Know? <laughs> and that's in Pennsylvania, too. It's a very special place.
1: All right, we're going to continue with Richard Bay in a minute. We're going to take your calls. Uh, we're going to get into some uh, more fun subjects as well. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano.
1: In addition to being uh, one of the great songs from uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, this was the to the buzz with Steve Malzberg and Richard Bay which was a hit show on WABC for a long time and I uh, want to thank the listener that points out that the crazy person that you were trying to think of from Arizona is uh, Paul Gosar, Gosar. Have so he just said that I get Yeah, can't pop yeah Paul Gosar uh, Richard Bay is here we're going to take your calls in a moment 800-848-9222 Richard let me ask you about something that it seems like according to opinion polls the whole country agrees with I might be in the minority and that is the um, Chris Cuomo show. Well, I'm going to ask you about that, too. <laughs> but it's the, the age of the people that are seeking public office these days. Congressman Max Rose, who's running for Congress again this year, he lost two years ago. I he, give him money. He worked in the Biden administration. Right. He, wor- he was on Fox 5 this week, and he was talking about who should not be running for president in 2024. It's
3: plain and simple, and I've said this before. I'll say this again. Uh, I do not think that Donald Trump should run in 2024. I do not think that Joe Biden should run in 2024. I'm sick and tired of that generation being in power. We've got to move on. We have to turn the page, not just on this politics of ineffectiveness, but also this politics of division and vitriol. It's time to move on as a nation.
1: You think Max Rose has a point? Is it time for that generation to get out of power? I don't. I don't think it's so much generational, but the, the young people
2: are coming up, you know. But I do agree with him that Biden shouldn't be running again. I, you know, whether Trump runs again, actually, I'd like Trump to run again because I think he's, <laughs> he's, he's going to get his I butt. Bet whooped. You would. This time, I think DeSantis is far a far more dangerous character.
1: Oh, no, 800-848-9222. We'll get to as many calls as we can. We're going to go to people in the order which they've been holding. Charlie is in Hell's Kitchen. Hello,
4: Charlie. Thank you, right for taking my call. I wanted to point out to you and to Mr. Bay the consequence that it attaches to public policy and to voting for a specific person. I assume Mr. Bay voted for Joe Biden because he didn't like Donald Trump and he supported Biden. Uh, I guess that's true. But if the consequence that flowed from that is that we have inflation, we have higher gas prices, higher food prices, we had supply chain shortages, we have the humiliating pullout and withdrawal of Afghanistan in which 13 servicemen and servicewomen were killed. And all of these things... Are things that have resulted from people not liking Trump and voting for Joe Biden? Actually, I, mean, I would disagree
2: you, with you. I would say none of those things are a result of voting for Joe Biden. Not one of them. Not one of them. Inflation is a worldwide problem, and in fact, uh, this week the entire eurozone is is over ten percent. Their inflation is much higher than ours, and they didn't vote for Joe Biden. Uh, The uh, pullout from Afghanistan was something that was negotiated uh, by Donald Trump with the Taliban a year before Biden became president. Uh, What else? Gas prices. OPEC today is saying they're cutting back on the production of oil, uh, which will also uh, bring gas prices up a a bit again. Joe Biden. Did what he could, but he does, he's, not, uh, he's not the sheik controlling o- OPEC.
1: Well, Charlie, thank you. Uh, on the on the oil front, uh, so President Biden has tried to convince the Saudis by using diplomacy. Now he seems to be taking a much harder line, right, uh, with the Saudis. And uh, he's sending a clear signal to them that he's willing to, you know, play hardball. And uh, that's something that both people on the right and the left have, have said maybe is about time. But now the president is at odds with big oil companies in this country, and he's at odds with some big oil countries like Saudi Arabia. He's been pleading
2: with big oil countries to increase production. And uh, at this point next year, we will, we will exceed oil production in this country what it was in the year before COVID. We are producing – New York, uh, the United States – Like, were you talking to me? Yeah, I just said this in the last segment. The United States is the largest oil producer in the world. So larger than Saudi Arabia, which is number two, or Russia, which is number three.
1: Whenever I bring up the issue of energy prices on the radio, there's always a chorus of folks that say two things. That the solution to lower energy prices is... Uh, President Biden shouldn't have pulled the plug on the Keystone XL pipeline. That and would two, have nothing to do well, with the, price uh, and, and oil. the other the other thing, and I want you to respond to both, the other thing is that there need to be more drilling permits approved on federal land. Explain why those two rejoinders to Biden's energy policy are fallacious.
2: Well, the, first of all, the Keystone pipeline would not have increased uh, oil production. It's a transportation system. It's not, it's not creating more oil. It's just delivering more oil. Um, and there is a Keystone Pipeline already. This was just sort of a, um, I don't, an adjunct to it, and that oil would have been shipped overseas from uh, – it wouldn't come to the United States. I mean, we, 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 we have oil in this country, and I, I think we do have to – oil has to be one of the uh, bridge sources of energy, um, you know, till we can achieve the technological level where we can have uh, – um, uh, energy renewable that's more, yeah renewable right. and i also think that uh nuclear has to be part of this mix really and yeah, yeah. Okay, you didn't no, know
1: that no i i didn't oh well, i in i 70
2: percent you... of their electricity is produced by nuclear in fact they produce so much uh energy that they uh, that they sell it to germany which made the ridiculous mistake of shutting down all their nuclear pan plants um, and uh, now they're p- paying the consequence of that as uh, Russia is uh, cutting off the uh, Nord. Uh uh, Nord, Stream. Nord Stream pipeline.
1: <laughs> one of the things that... I'm uh, sorry.
2: You know, this is late for me. I, this is me, morning me, I'm just
1: getting started. <laughs> you should see me when I have I to get... I couldn't think of Paul Gosar, <laughs> uh, you know. Me, uh, you could see, see me when I get a call at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Hey, uh, one of the things that uh, I don't know that a lot of people know about you is that you actually attended the Yale School of Drama. And it's very interesting. I... And you're a terrific actor, and I've seen you perform theatrically, and, and you're terrific, and people have the opportunity to see you perform theatrically. They absolutely should. But I thought about you recently because one of your old classmates, Sigourney Weaver, was actually profiled on CBS Sunday Morning, and she said a little bit about the Yale School of Drama, and I want to play you what she said and want to hear if oh, you Oh, she agree had a terrible this. time. Well, so this is what she said.
3: My father thought it was good to go to drama school. That would probably shake this goal right out of me, and it almost did. Weaver attended the Yale School of Drama. I didn't really belong there, I wish I'd gone to, like, Second City or something. She felt like a fish out of water, and the faculty seemed to agree. They were not supportive. Explicitly so. Yeah. I have to say, they could not have been meaner. Uh, (laughs) And the irony was that they were fired when I graduated. So the lesson to me is, don't believe what your teachers tell you.
1: I've never heard you say anything negative about I her time there. had a good experience. There. You
2: had a better
1: experience than she Meryl did. Meryl
2: Streep, believe it or not, was put on probation after her first year. It's a three-year MFA program. And everybody knew that Sigourney, Sigourney was, well, she's six feet tall. She's one of the sweetest people you ever want to meet. She's, she's really unaffected, uh, even though she came from an esteemed uh, television family mm-hmm. and even though she came from... A a degree of wealth, and even though her real name is Susan, her first name, um, she is just a sweetheart. She's a wonderful person. Why do you think she had such a tough time? Because she didn't use her beauty. That was their major complaint. She would dress up like a hippie or something. You know, she'd wear a pea coat and a pair of jeans and they kept say, saying to her, you're a beautiful woman. You know, you want to be a success on the stage. Use your beauty. And she never wanted to, mm. to, to do that sort of thing.
1: Uh, 800-848-9222. Uh, let me say hello to uh, David in the Bronx. David, you're on with Richard, Bray, Richard Bay.
3: Hey, good morning. Gentlemen. Good morning.
1: Um, I
3: would like to make a comment about Ukraine. I generally disagree with Frank on Ukraine. I think his positions are far too pro-Russian. But I think we need to cut back on the unlimited financial aid and military assistance we're giving the Ukrainians, because they have an unreasonable position regarding the territory that Russia has seized uh, previously and currently. Zelensky keeps talking about getting back every inch of Ukrainian territory, including Crimea. I would agree with you about
2: Crimea. Crimea is gone. It's not going to happen.
3: What about the the four territories that they held the votes in that Russia now said? The Donbass.
2: Oh, those were were great fair elections, weren't
3: they? I'm sure. No, no, but the point is – well, wait, wait. But listen, listen. The reason – I'm saying this is, and again, I don't think Russia should be allowed to have an inch of Ukraine. I have family by marriage from Ukraine. But what I'm concerned about is the possibility of nuclear warfare. Frank played a clip of General Petraeus, who one assumes still has contacts in the government, saying that if Russia used the tactical nuclear weapon, that we and NATO should bomb the Russian troops in Ukraine, sink all their ships in the Black Sea, What do people like General Petraeus think is going to happen if we do that? Russia is going to respond with nuclear weapons against us and NATO. Let me let Richard respond, Dave. First of all,
2: General Petraeus is no longer in command of anything but his own opinion. Um, So, you know, there is that. And during – preceding uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, we were in negotiations with the Japanese actually to – Uh, you know, to allow them to have some degree of oil imports. And we asked them to withdraw from China and um, other areas uh, in in the Eastern uh, Asia that they had invaded. And we were in negotiations with them. They, you know, they didn't want to withdraw either. And we insisted that they withdraw. And when they didn't, well... We
1: ended up in a war. If people just tuning in, we're talking with Richard Bay, veteran TV and radio talk show host. You can now catch him on the Richard Bay Talk podcast, which is terrific. And uh, I subscribe. You can subscribe on the YouTube or wherever podcasts are available. Well, wait a second. Should we have said to the Japanese, "Hey, take China,"
2: you know, "take Korea," you know, "take Thailand"? Have your take Burma. Have your sphere of influence. That's where you are. Why you deserve to have it, and then there would not have been a Pearl Harbor, and we could have saved the lives of uh, uh,
1: uh, tens of millions of people. Well, I think there is a lot of you know. I don't really want to relitigate the foreign policy no, but of, I'm of just 1941. Saying there comes
2: a point in time when you want if if Russia wants to rejoin um, the uh, society of peaceful nations around the world, if they want the
1: sanctions to be dropped, there are conditions. I uh, I'm not going to sit here and uh, act like Vladimir Putin is uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is some sort of modern day Jeffersonian democrat 800-848-9222 I do want to ask you you've had so much experience in uh, in television journalism as well and you But won- you were
2: asking about theater with Sigourney how did we get back to you Well Greg? because uh, well, okay. the caller brought it up All the right. caller
1: brought it up they, believe me they, people have a lot of issues to bring up with Um, You also, at different times, would feature different uh, fringe characters on your show. On your podcast, the most recent edition of your podcast, you played a clip. And this is one of the things I love about your podcast is you not only give a lot of commentary about current affairs, but you kind of do a throwback Thursday-style clip (laughs) of you interviewing someone from 30 years ago. Could be Sammy Davis, could be Steven Spielberg. You actually featured a portion of an interview you did with some Nazi skinheads recently.
0: What do you mean you're not anti-black? Well, we are not out to oppress any other race by believing in white power. We believe in positive racism. There are two kinds of racism. Po- okay. There's positive and there's negative. Negative is out of stupidity and hate. We don't hate anybody. We are out there to promote our own, just as the many organizations are out there to promote the other races. The um, NAACP and um, organizations ad infinitum out there to promote the uh, prosperity of the black race. Okay, do you go out and bash blacks? We do not go out and bash anybody. If there's any violence that comes to us, and then we take care of that, okay?
1: <laughs> my question is this, what? right? Um, and he has a
2: swastika
1: sure. tattoo. no, no, no. Uh, so my question is always this, and I get requests, as you can imagine, being on late at night, from a lot of fringe characters to try to be guests on this show. And there's a lot of callers that have a lot of fringe views, some based in hate. And I'm always a little conflicted about whether the best thing to do is shine a light on these folks and let folks hear the crazy things that people like that are saying, or is it not to give folks like that a platform? I'm curious, how do you choose to balance, or how did you choose to balance that? Uh, that, well, this was
2: actually right after the time Geraldo had his nose. I remember that. By the, yeah, uh, by the Nazis. I mean, uh, I you know, it's the same thing with like uh, Facebook banning Donald Trump. You know, I mean, you have people on. I, I think where you draw the line is when you have somebody who's actively uh, endorsing or inciting the use of of violence, and that's where you draw the line. But I, I've interviewed. The grand Kligels of the Ku Klux Klan. I've interviewed David Duke. I interviewed Pat Buchanan. I well, <laughs> I wouldn't put Pat in the category of David Duke when or the Grand Well, you well, I interviewed Klan. Pat Buchanan. One of the, my questions to him was that you have, uh, you have called homosexuality, um, an unnatural, dirty, and sinful act, and. Um, He used some other word that was really um, derogatory. And he said, all the great religions say it is wrong. Who are you to say that it's right? That's what his response. I said, I don't say that it's wrong or right. I'm just saying I don't want somebody coming into my bedroom and telling me you're doing it the wrong way. You can't do that position.
1: You know, I have always felt, whether we're talking about uh, Pat Buchanan, Bob Grant, Al Sharpton, or anybody – that it's a little unfair to take 60 years of them saying something throughout the course of their career when they talk and write every single day for 60 yeah. years and pick the worst things that they've ever said right. and have that define them. But we, we could save uh, but that, that discussion was something for another day. I mean, I'm sure he still believes that. Yeah. Um, there, I, you,
2: you don't think there are people who think homosexual? I, no, I hear from them. I hear right. from them.
1: And I always wonder, is the best thing to do to put them on the air so folks can hear – That there are still people that think that or is it to not give people like that a platform?
2: Well, I think that there are, uh, uh, you know, some religions that have sexual practices that I would uh, or or marital practices that I would find very strange myself. But I don't want to stop them from doing – listen, in the state of Texas, you know, your your great state of Texas – the, uh, you know, the Texas Rangers raided the Mormons because mm-hmm. you had 60 year old men
1: marrying uh, uh, 14-year-old girls. Right. No, and uh, it, it, certainly if you there's a lot of religion to look at. If you look at the Prophet Muhammad's favorite wife, you don't yeah, even there, want to get well, into what her age you, but was. But that
2: was... This, I'm talking about now. Right, <laughs> right.
1: Um, you mentioned Chris Cuomo before. We're both fans... Yeah, who's going to watch? Come on. Well, I watched the second episode. I thought it was... Out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, um, my senior producer from the Richard Bay Show is... Producing Chris Cuomo, really? I have a number yeah. of questions for for him or for her. Um, but you, we're both fans of the film uh, A Face in the Crowd, and there's a great scene in that picture where Walter Matthau's character says to Andy Griffith's character, Lonesome Rhodes, he basically says, "You'll you'll get another opportunity, but you'll never be as big as you were." And we've seen that manifest itself with a lot of people, including me, over the years. <laughs> right? Um, how do you handicap the prospects of a Chris Cuomo comeback? Well. Not there. Not not in that – not on that – News ur, nation. Or
2: that – whatever it is, you know. And then – I mean, this, nobody's going to sit at home and go, I know people who rushed MSNBC every a Monday night because they know Rachel Maddow is on a Monday. And then when the other newscaster takes over, nobody's watching it. Right. So no and, one's doing that for Christmas? Yeah, and people are doing that for uh, Tucker Carlson on right. the other side. I mean – you know, you, nobody's going to do that for Chris Cuomo. Nobody's going to do that for Ashley Banfield. What they should have, you know, you know, they have their own agenda. But if you wanted to start something new, what you should do is get Joe Rogan. Uh, you should get Howard Stern or maybe even use the video of his, uh, of his serious radio show. If you can get the rights to it and run that at night. Uh, there's a guy named Paul Barsky who's very funny uh, but also politically astute and – you know, put something on that's going to be different. You know, what's so different? So it's Chris Cuomo? What? He had so so many... F- Listen, I watched Chris Cuomo. I like Chris Cuomo. But I'm not going to... I'm not going to go out of my way to watch Chris Cuomo. Um,
1: before we go to break, and then I'm going to continue with the phone calls, 800 848 I know you saw some shows while you were in town. You've always been uh, Johnny on the spot when it comes to film recommendations, theater, and and books. Give us one of each. All right. Well, the, the one thing I wanted to see. Actually, there were two things, and one
2: of them is an impossible ticket. But the one play I knew I wanted to see and I was hoping I could see, and it was on half price at TKTS is Leopoldstadt by uh, uh, Tom Stoppard, and it's about a Jewish family. It begins in 1899. It's got a cast of 38. I can't do it justice by describing the plot to you. Uh, The thing I can tell you is this. When it was over and we all in the audience stood up to applaud, I collapsed into tears for almost two minutes. I was crying. The woman in front of me reached out, and grabbed my arm in support and passed me a tissue. Is,
1: is, is it a musical? No. No, oh,
2: no, no. Well, there no. are very emotional musicals. As well. Oh, but this this thing is heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching and so well done and so entertainment. It's two hours and ten minutes without an intermission. And you know how sometimes you see a play and you're going, oh, where am I – where should I go for dinner after this? Uh, right, your mind uh, wanders. Do I have to pick up anything at the. CVS is around the corner. I didn't have one wow. second where I wasn't riveted by this play. The acting is marvelous, the script is just uh, completely engrossing.
1: So it's uh, Leopold Stott, and it's on Broadway now. It's and you can Broadway get half price tickets, I guess, on TKT. Yeah, well, the you good.
2: I mean, I don't know if you. The reviews have been very good. I, Except for the Times.
1: anything in the way of film reviews these days. You used to do these great film uh, reviews on the radio with your dad, Dick, and yeah, Dad go to the
2: movies. And I still do go to the movies. Uh, I went to see that, and Don't Worry, Darling, which got terrible reviews. I didn't think it was as bad as uh, you know as the reviews were. It was, it was an
1: expectations, game, yeah, right?
2: yeah, yeah. It was entertaining, and uh, also of uh, uh, Florence Pugh who plays uh, the leading role in it with Harry Styles, the heartthrob but she is so she's she so beautiful i can if they just were the seeing ca- it just for that if, if they just, just put the camera on her face uh, i would watch it all right
1: we're going to continue with richard bay in a 2nd 800 848 this is the other side of midnight straight ahead
2: the other side of midnight.
0: Midnight. 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 midnight it's the other side of midnight with frank morano
2: Richard Bay is here. Oh, Frank Marano ripping off
1: my bumpers from right. my old show. I, I, I steal so much I from you. I used to love this. I steal so much from you. This is how you would end uh, a lot of your shows. And uh, this, we're almost at the end of the hour, but I want to give oh, people an opportunity. To, oh. Oh, you can stick around. You can well, stick around for the well, whole show. Well, uh, I can? You can absolutely. <laughs> 800- you have 800- other guests. Well, so you'll take a break. You can pause. You can pause. Hey, um, I, do, I did want to ask you, you living in Florida these days. I, your area of Florida was... Yeah,
2: we had the winds, so we had the fronds from the palm trees. Everything fall. was okay with your house and everything? Yeah, there.
1: yeah, 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 it was fine. All right, good. All right, 800-848-9222. Stuart is in Forest Hills. Hello, Stuart.
4: Hey, Frank, good to speak to you. Uh, Richard, this is Stuart, your Facebook debating buddy, uh, Ukraine today, yesterday. Oh, anyway, oh yeah. um, I have to say, you sound so much more intelligent speaking with frank morano i mean <laughs> I think I think you're more intelligent than I thought um I, I just want to mention about your comment on, on talk about on a DeSantis. backhanded compliment. See, I,
1: I pale in comparison to your intellect so much <laughs> I can make anybody sound intelligent.
4: But I, but, 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 Richard, I wanted to mention about your comment. You said DeSantis is more dangerous than Trump, and and from your point of view, I have to agree with you, and that is because DeSantis is very articulate, he's very strategic, and if you debate DeSantis, you're kind of forced to debate him on the issues. With Donald Trump, his personality is so out there that you don't got to debate him on the issues. You go after his personality, and you can make some sense. So I actually am a DeSantis supporter for 2024. I don't disagree um, with you.
2: Donald Trump is a bull in a China shop, and he got some things that he wanted to do accomplished. But he always he had uh, all the generals that McMaster and Kelly, they were always in there putting up guardrails with DeSantis. They, actually, DeSantis went to Harvard and Yale. Right. And Those are the, always the guys you got to look out for. <laughs> that's right. And the Ivy Leaguers. Hey, they, as well as uh, what's his name? Uh, um, Josh uh, Hawley. Hallie, yeah. That's
1: right. And uh, the, the Theodore Edward uh, Cruz or Rafael right, Edward right, Cruz. 800 Ray is in New Jersey. Hello, Ray. Yeah, how you doing? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah right. go yeah. ahead. What's on your mind? Okay, I just wanted to say, uh, when you were talking
3: about the Afghanistan, I know Trump had that plan to pull out, but to say he was not responsible for those got killed because they had the Taliban running the outside security. The day before, even I knew something bad was going to happen. A two-year-old could have figured that out. So I, you're trying to make it like Biden's not responsible for anything. Well, a, well, it was
2: so, a terrorist. Yeah, well, was, what, a terrorist. was the withdrawal
1: mishandled though?
2: The withdrawal mishandled. I think, I think almost every withdrawal is mishandled. Whether it's at Dien Bien Phu, whether it's at, um, whether it's at Saigon, where we left. Every time a military has to uh, do, uh, perform a retreat under advancing uh, enemy forces, it's
1: always a mess. Uh, Look it, at Dunkirk. No, no, that's for sure. Uh, 800-848-9222. Billy's in Rockland County. Hello, Billy.
4: Yeah, Richard, you're a lying drama queen from Yale. You know, you're all full <laughs> of it. Okay? Well, thank you so. I do much. like you though. I will listen to you, but you're a lying drama queen, Well, I, okay? have,
2: I have an MFA the fact in drama. The matter is Biden has <laughs> a... curtailed
0: supply. Yeah, he, he has he not
4: supply. No, he hasn't. He go has, look Richard. up. No, go you know look it's up. You true Richard. No, no you he know, know it. He gave eighty-five
2: billion you, no, in rise. We Richard. not reality, Richard. Oh, you really are a drama queen. People can't see it. Look up the figures. That's reality. Go look up the figures. That That's is not reality, the reality. Hey, it's not math.
4: Smoking dope and it's not reality.
2: math. If you You're
4: look at the figures... Lying yeah, okay. queen. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Billy. Thank you for Appreciate the entertainment tonight. Appreciate everybody
1: keeping it above board. Thank oh, no. you. Tom was- <laughs> is in Pennsylvania. Hello, Tom.
4: Hello. Yes, sir. Uh, you could stop uh, party opposition by cutting their money off, and there's no reason to give money to Ukraine I don't think, but, uh, you know, I was wondering... Well, we have so much of it here. We can spare it, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's all printed. You know, they just get out the photocopy machine and do that, you know, do that kind of thing. You know, it's
1: not not out of the realm of possibility. All right, thank you, Tom. Uh, Very quickly, Jimmy in Long Island, what's on your mind? Hello,
4: good morning, sirs. I was wondering... uh, what is the <laughs> discrimination right now with um, the Kanye West's clothing line with White Lives Matter? Is that to stir up more trouble during this political um, season, or is it really something that – um sort of like um, all lives matter and response? Yeah, you, know, to- you, know, you know, know, I'm not up on this.
1: I'm, I'm not, not up I on, on this either, but I do
2: this. think that Kanye West would be a good uh, replacement – Um, for Herschel Walker in Georgia at the
1: last minute. Hey, I'm a third-party guy. (laughs) I I think uh, that he might have some support. Alan Yonkers. Hello, Al.
3: Yeah, hi, Richard, Frank. Uh, You know, Richard, I remember your show, uh, you know, and it was a popular show. I used to watch it uh, when it ran in the tri-state. I'm glad you're doing well in Florida. I heard you on Frank's show not too long ago. And uh, can you hear me? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah no, we're only, we only got about 40 yeah, yeah, seconds you know, so left I, I do
3: rem- I'm glad you're doing well and uh, everything is good in, uh, in Florida. Uh, my question to you is, being a host like Frank, because uh, you touched on Max Rose, I-, I just never understood why a person would go out there and waste so much energy and time uh, and really hit the pavement
1: trying to win an election. Uh, all right, uh, you, which... you, you, you'd minutes, right, you'd stick around a few minutes, right? You could yeah, yeah, stick around. You uh, stick around as, as long as you want. Know, all right, all right, right, we're right. going to have Richard answer your question after the top of uh, of the hour. Um, this is the other side of midnight. Richard Bay is here, and we'll see if he can make it till five. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, right. if not, you know, you have we'll other guests. Yeah, well, so you'll take a break. <laughs> this is the other side of midnight until next hour, as Richard Bay might say. Don't let the media matrix melt with your mind This is the other side of midnight. Uh, we have conscripted Richard Bay into a couple more hours of uh, talk show service. We're going to no, get no, him to no, stick no, around no, as long a as couple he wants. More hours. Well, as long as you could take, all right? Richard Bay, a veteran TV and radio talk show host, he's now hosting the Richard Bay Talk Podcast. Uh, let's take a look at some of the early reviews for your uh, first hour. <laughs> uh, this is uh, from Twitter. This is I from turned a, it off. This is from a Twitter user. I it's better. It. It's, be, it's better. This is from a Twitter user named Jeff Strongman. Richard Richard Bay was the worst guest you ever had, and I will no longer listen to your show. Uh, i rather listen to the Communist News on 880. All right. Uh, Rocco writes, Richard Bay, of course, misspelled, good (laughs) night. So there you have it. Uh, uh, Look, if you're going to change the channel based on uh, hearing an opinion that you might not agree with, I mean... You really—that's such a uh, a sad way to be. Uh, from what I'm uh, from where I stand, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. If you want to comment, take issue with anything Richard said. Uh, there was a, the caller before the uh, top of the hour, basically made mention of uh, the Max Rose race. Right. Basically, um, because of the district lines, the way the courts drew them. It looks like Max is going to have a very tough time uh, this this go round. And I think Al's question was basically, why, why bother if you're running in a oh, race? Is it why bother? I think, I think what, that was the question. I thought he meant, question. why do people run? Oh, maybe it was. Again, you know, I think
2: there are a lot of veterans. There are a lot of people. I mean, you know, I give to Spamberger and Slotkin, who uh, they worked for the CIA and. Uh, there are veterans who serve the country and the military, and they want to continue serving the country. Why do people become cops? I mean, you know, I don't think they, I don't think they all do it just for the great pension. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. Again, after 20
1: years, you want to serve.
2: No no you doubt know. about it.
1: No doubt about it. 800-848-9222. Uh, before we um, – one of the issues that we've been covering is sort of the demise of local news sources, right? We've seen a lot of newspapers fold. We've seen a lot of these news deserts pop up around the country. You have uh, made a lot of your career in local media. Channel 9 in New York, people are talking, a lot of work in Philadelphia that you've done do you see any reason oh. to be hopeful about the future no. of local
2: journalism? No, 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 no. I mean, there used to be – I mean, Bill Boggs had Midday Live. You had my show. You had – does anybody watch local news really? Uh, anymore? Uh, well, Remember, uh, they used to be stars. I knew Sue Simmons mm. and uh, and uh, Jack Cafferty right. and uh, – Bill Butel. Bill Butel, Roger Grimsby. You know, these people were like a part of our lives – I don't, people don't feel that way about local newscasters. I, you know, anymore, I think the one they?
1: person that has sort of been able to carve out a little bit of a niche in that respect is Pat Kiernan from New York One. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, he, even though he's Canadian, he's really become such a big part of a lot of uh a lot of New Yorkers. Lives. He's even even portraying himself in a lot of films and stuff. Um, uh, we're going to talk. By the way, uh, speaking of uh, of politics, we're going to talk with Ryan Clancy in about uh, fifteen minutes. He is part of a group called No Labels, which is trying to run an independent presidential candidate. If they determine that the Republican and the Democrat that are running are too extreme or too divisive. They're going we're to try to put forward, forward a third-party <laughs> option. I don't know that age is part of their uh, criteria, but we'll ask them in just a bit. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Alan Yonkers is back. Al, very quickly, uh, I don't want to paraphrase your question. What were you asking about Max Rose?
3: No, I was just saying that, uh, you know, because you brought him up, I won't go on. Uh, I just think he has a very difficult race ahead. He's running against a very popular incumbent. Well, I mean,
1: it's a function of the district lines. Under the under the gerrymandered yeah. lines, his opponent Nicole Malliotakis, she had a very difficult race. So uh, all of a sudden, yeah. she didn't become such a better candidate once the new lines came out, and he became no worse. It's just a function of the, he went from running in a heavily Democratic district to running in a heavily Republican district. That's that's basically and, it.
2: And Nicole had her share of detractors as well. Oh yeah, when she voted for the infrastructure, uh, infrastructure, and, and to
1: denounce uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. To, right. uh, comments al thank you hey um I, I know you're a theater guy my favorite musical of all time is 1776 oh, and i love what music. are they doing to this well, so what is now, the purpose right. so, I, if people haven't followed this they're have re-releasing 1776 it's a revival with an all-female cast, with uh, uh, w- which features a lot of people of color and, trans- and a lot of transgender folks. Now, but all women. Uh, yeah, what's what's your take on this?
2: I don't get it. I mean, it's on half-price tickets. I thought, should I see this? And then I go, man, it could be excruciating. It's not. It may be your favorite musical. It's not a great musical. There's not. There's a couple of good songs in it, and it's. If you're an American history buff, it, it's probably fun. But my favorite musical is not my not only my favorite, but one of my favorite. Merrily We Roll Along, uh, which is playing at the New York Theater Workshop with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, really? And it's a Stephen Sondheim musical, but you just can't get it.
1: But so your that. your potential objection with 1776, it's not that they're it's, – it's, is it that it's too woke? I, I hate to even use that term, or is it that they're no, – No, it's that the purpose seems to be woke. Uh uh-huh. I mean I don't think uh
2: for instance Hamilton I thought that idea worked wonderfully uh because because Hamilton was an immigrant and because immigrants are a lifeblood of american uh you know uh, society and history and uh it it helped it helped you to observe the dynamics you know once you saw black and uh, asian and uh Hispanic people playing, and you realize you place them in the context, yes, they are all a part of this, you know. But I don't think the same thing works for uh, women in 1776. Neither do
1: I, especially because the original incarnation of 1776, it did have roles for two prominent female historical characters, Abigail Adams and Martha Jefferson. It didn't diminish yeah. their contributions at all. And uh, it, just seems, it just seems like uh, a, a weird thing to do. It's not something that I'm excited about. I don't see about. the
2: purpose behind I mean, I read the New York Times right. magazine article, but I still didn't get it.
1: No, I don't get it at all. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Manhattan. Hello, Robert.
4: Good morning, Mr. Bay. Hello. Uh, Before I get to my point quickly... In a world where Sony Corporation can reimagine Tarzan, uh, if you're a movie fan, I shudder to think what that's going to look like. (laughs) They they really are going to reimagine it. But uh, listen, I want to get to a point you made. Thank you for mentioning the fact that the Texas Rangers, I don't know if you're a student of Texas history. I'm a frontier student. Uh, I've taught frontier history on a graduate level, the Old West. You know, of course, that uh, the... um, uh, uh, Texas Republic, independent for ten years between 1836 and 45, and the state of Texas when it was annexed by the United States in the slavocracy, Manifest Destiny War we fought with Mexico, put bounty on Indian and Mexican scalps. You know that if you're yeah, a student oh, of Texas uh, yeah, history, and were, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps when you uh, talk to the good governor Abbott, you might remind him of that part of Texas history.
2: Well, I don't think I would want to remind him. Are you insinuating are you insinuating that he should take the scalps of people crossing the Rio Grande?
4: I don't know, but I don't know, but I don't trust <laughs> it him. Sounds and like I love that. Texas. Listen, I love Texas because my doctoral dissertation was on factional frontier violence and one of the of one of the feuds I covered was the Shelby County War of the 1840s, uh-huh. which nobody's ever heard Th- of.
1: Thank you, Robert. Richard, let me ask you. You moved to Florida from New York at a time before it was fashionable to do so. Now <laughs> everybody's moving. It, it, when I meet a New Yorker, um, it, the, the thing that they seem most enthusiastic about is moving to Florida. I'm wondering, Do uh, this is probably the first major storm a lot of the recent New York transplants right. have well, experienced.
2: feel sorry about Unvenue. Well, are, are they
1: going to have movers' remorse? Do you think? I, well, Not I just think, because I, of the weather. I but think other one things. of the
2: things, you know, I, I mean, when you come to New York and you pick up the New York Post every day, like I was listening to Dominic before this, hey, a homeless person punched this person, or this right, person's it's crime—it's crime every single day. You know what? The you think Florida? The thing, the difference is Florida—they're is just shooting each other in Palm Beach County. One out of every nine people have a gun. Every day I read the Palm Beach Post, and there's something. We had an Uber driver who had her throat slit oh, by boy. a guy from in the back seat. We have people with road range shooting out uh, you know, the windows of, of the other car that cut them off. I mean, those are recent ones. You had the guy who was in the movie theater and was on his phone during yeah. the trailers, and the guy behind him had been a police chief, and he said, "'Turn off your phone.'" And the guy took a handful of popcorn and threw it at him. So the guy, the police chief, went down and
1: blew him away <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. In, in front of his wife. So what you're saying is Florida is not exactly the Eden that a lot of New Yorkers think it might be.
2: Uh, no, no, it it is not. I mean, it you know, for the most part, the weather is pretty pleasant. And if you can live by the beach, as I do, you know, that that's certainly a plus. Uh, but there are so many things I miss about New York and even I come up every every other month i 'm here for two weeks at the at least and it's it's you know Florida is pleasant. New York is invigorating.
1: Mm, That's a great description, a great description. One of the things I've always admired about you as a broadcaster, one of the many things, is your real gift as an interviewer. And I'm getting to relive a lot of that now in some of these throwback clips that you play in the Richard Bay Talk podcast and it, you always manage, even if it's somebody that I've heard interviewed a hundred times, you manage to find a new angle, whether it's somebody that I've that's a household name like Steven Spielberg or somebody that, um, you know, is totally obscure. You always manage to find something different and interesting about them. What is kind of your secret? What's the secret sauce to the Richard Bay interview? What's the key? Well, you, first of all, my, the questions...
2: The questions should make the the uh, the guest think. We will see the process of them thinking after you ask the question, rather than you know. A lot of these people they're on. Um, what do they call those tours, the publicity right, tours? Right, right, like a
1: satellite yeah, tour. Yeah, you get you know. the
2: same, co- oh, what was it like working with Mel Gibson or what's your favorite movie that you made, you know? I, I hate those. They, <laughs> it,
1: it, they offered me uh, recently one of these tours, Jay Leno, for 10 minutes. I said, right. forget it. I, I'm not interested in talking to anybody for 10 minutes. Well, you know, and a lot of these things, I mean, the
2: things, some of the things that fascinated me is, you know, you know, how did you get here and why did you get here? And what created you? And, uh, you know, what were your, like when I had Steven Spielberg? I thought, I said, uh, you know, for so many of us, the, the big cinematic thrill is going to see a Steven Spielberg movie for the first time, you know, whether it was E.T. or Schindler's List or, you know, so many others. I said, but maybe you can't can you watch a Steven Spielberg movie and experience what we experience? And he said, no, he goes, I, I'm worried about the props when I'm watching the shot. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, how we got the, you know, the, the, the bugs into the scene or whatever he said, but there is one movie. He says, I can watch Raiders of the lost Ark and be transported. And by the way, can you believe he didn't say this. I'm saying this. That Harrison Ford is going to play Indiana Jones at 80 years I, I old? I can believe it. Uh, you know, uh,
1: some people, Arnold Schwarzenegger can't give up Terminator. Stallone can't give up Rocky. And I guess Harrison Ford, for the right amount of money, can't give up Indiana Jones. Uh, we're going to talk with Ryan Clancy from No Labels in a bit. You want to stick around or are you no, going to go, go to sleep? Uh, I, I can't wait
2: for Indiana Jones and the Walker of Doom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> if people want to see the Richard Bay Talk podcast, they can search it on YouTube or anywhere podcasts are available. Whatever your politics, it's a great discussion of uh, current events, also a great discussion of broadcasting and sort of all, all, and, all every aspect of I life. And I
2: apologize to you for... L- for having you lose all your listeners That's okay. in such a short period of time.
1: Well, it's, Hopefully there's at least one or two that will <laughs> stick around. Uh, Richard Bay, thank you very much. It's always great oh, to see it's you,
2: my friend. great to see you.
1: All too. right. Well, Ryan Clancy from No Labels joins us straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
3: Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance.